Well, happy Thanksgiving! And welcome to New Hope Hilo, Hawaii. And if it's, this is your first time here on a Wednesday night, we welcome you. You will notice that our structure of our service is a little bit different than from Sundays. Um, yeah, very different. It's called our equipped service. And it's named for that very purpose that we want to equip you and equip the believers. So as your pastors, we want to, you know, prepare you. We want to uh, set you up. We want to get you ready for the ministry that God is calling you to be in. Now, as you came in, you've received a bulletin. And if you notice in the bulletin, on a regular Sunday, you'll see a lot of scriptures with a place to take notes. Well, there's no scriptures in your bulletin. There's a, there is a lot of lines where you can take notes uh, for tonight and, and follow along. And as you write what the Holy Spirit speaks to you, because that's what we want. We want you to hear God. And as you hear God, you will find your own spiritual food for your growth. You know, I heard it said this way. If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for the day. But if you teach the man to fish, he'll eat for life. We want to teach you to dive into God's word and and give you a pick and give you a shovel so that you could dig up your own spiritual gems, your own spiritual food so that you don't just eat for a day, that you would eat spiritually for life. And then you'll notice that there's no, there will be no scriptures on our screens because we want you to bring your Bibles. We want you to get familiarized with your Bibles, experience your Bibles and acquaint yourselves with your Bibles. We do have connecting groups that, would, that can help you um, start to get into devotions. Uh, devotions are a daily time that we get to spend with God and, and through our reading tabs. So that we begin to find knowledge in the Word of God, but mostly to hear His voice in our, in our walk. So that we can be obedient to His voice. And if you want to connect with a group, then just go check out our uh, information center, and I'm sure they, will, they, they would hook you up with, with a good uh, devotional group. With that said, let's get into God's Word. Last week, Pastor Marsha continued with the teachings, the miracles of Jesus, and she spoke on the authority that Jesus had over, uh, has over death. And she spoke out of the miracle um, of the resurrection of a man named Lazarus. And I want to just touch a little bit and, uh, on that. So open your Bibles to the book of John, the 11th chapter. John chapter 11. And Pastor Marshall gave us a scripture last week which kind of sums up everything that we've been learning through every miracle that Jesus performed. You see, Jesus spoke these words as he um, found out that his friend Lazarus had become ill and he was about to die. And he said this in John 11, verse 4. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And you've heard it said over and over from the pulpit uh, throughout these teachings, that not all miracles are healings, but our healings are miracles. And you may ask, well, Pastor, what does that mean? We have to remember, and we're learning it through these studies, that although Jesus desires to heal us, the healing wasn't just for healing purposes. Jesus always had a purpose 
behind a miracle that he did. You see, because God is a purposeful God. And the miracles were done to glorify him, to bring glory to him. Why? So that we'd become believers, so that we'd start to trust in him. Jesus said it well when he said, this sickness, this miracle is for the glory of God. Now, Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, and I feel for these ladies, they must have been very disappointed when Jesus allowed their brother Lazarus to pass on. But really, if we look at the miracle, this miracle helped the people to believe in God. Their faith in in God increased right after Jesus, the Son of God, the resurrection himself, raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, if you saw Jesus raise the dead, wouldn't you believe? Absolutely, we would. And the scriptures tells us that the people who were hanging out with Mary and Martha, who witnessed the miracles, they began to believe. And they went out throughout the entire region, telling everyone they could vala'au with about Jesus Christ. Vala'au means talk story. So they went talk story with everybody they could find and told them about Jesus Christ. Folks, God holds the power over death and through this miracle, God was glorified. Just as Jesus said that he would be. This miracle got people believing. Got people pumped up. Sounded like us this this, this evening. Right? Okay. Well, let me tell you what else Jesus did. Now, after he raised Lazarus from the dead, and and the Pharisees and the scribes and and the chief uh, priests, they plotted to kill Jesus and, and Lazarus. Now, why? I don't know. Maybe they were jealous. But it was because of the people. Because they began to believe in Jesus Christ. But they wanted to kill Lazarus because he was the result of the miracle. He was the proof of Jesus' power, of God's power over death. So Jesus kind of kicks back. He kind of takes the low profile and kind of stays out of sight for, for a little while. Because of the plot that these leaders, religious leaders, had to kill him. And then all the people were wondering if, if Jesus was going to show up in Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, you got to hear this. Jesus fears no man. So he's not hiding from man. But in everything that Jesus does, he has a purpose. He has a purpose. Well, some days before the Passover, he instructs a couple of his disciples and he tells them to go into the town. Going to the town, and, and there they'll find a coat. The coat will be tied up, and, and no one has ever sat on it. No one has ever wrote it. And he says, loosen that coat and bring it to me. Oh, and by the way, if the people ask you guys, why are you taking the coat? Just tell them that your master has need of it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if two brothers came to my house and went untie my horse... And I went and asked him, why are you guys ripping off my horse? And they said, my master has need of it. There's some cracks right there. <laughs> you know, that's, nobody walk into my, my, my town and, and take my horse. <laughs> but that's just me, you know what I'm saying? But Jesus is Lord, praise the Lord, and he knows everything even before it happens. So the disciples go into the town, and and they find the coat tied up, just as he said. And no one has ever sat on it, so they they untie the horse, just as he told them to. 
And the people questioned them on why they're taking the coat, just as he said they would. And guess what? They let him go, just as he said he would. Now, please don't go out there and go take somebody's horse. <laughs> Unless Jesus tell you for go doom. Okay, because if you do it, Jesus didn't tell you, that's some cracks. You guys are going to get cracks. We got to do everything. If Jesus told us to do, we got to obey that. Got it? Good. So Jesus is on the code, and he's on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover. And, and this is called the triumphant uh, entry. And he's going to Jerusalem, and he's about to die. So here's how John 19 describes the entry. And you can turn there. It's uh, John 19, and we're going to start at verse 37. So John 19, verse 37. Okay, we all there? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. All right. Verse 37. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had seen, that they have seen. So they're there to, to, to because of the works that he's done. So they're there to see more. Saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. So he's entering. Let me just sum this up. He's entering Jerusalem. And the people are cheering him on. And they're laying down palm leaves before him. Honoring him. And the people were crying out. Hosanna, Hosanna. Which means save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Wrong scripture. scripture. I'm sorry, Luke 19. I was just testing you guys. See how long you guys will let me go before you guys will catch on. Okay, it's Luke 19. So you guys like turn there. We'll read them all over again. Okay, so Luke 19. 37 to 39. All right, my wife won't embarrass right now, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, so Luke 19, we're going to read them all over again. You guys there? Amen. Start all over. <laughs> okay. We put this name John over here. <clears throat> then as he was now joined near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, is that the right scripture? All right. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Okay, we got them? Yeah, all right. Okay, so here's the scenario again. He's entering Jerusalem and the people are cheering him on. They're laying down the palm leaves before him, honoring him. And the people were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Which means, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now in those days, uh, you can't honor anyone in, in that fashion. It's against the Jewish laws. It's reserved for what's called the halai. Which is in Hebrew means Praise, And it was a special time of prayer and praises during the Passover. 
and it's reserved for for your, um, an honored elder who would do the the prayers at that time. And you can't just throw palm leaves on the ground in honor of just anyone at that time. It's reserved for the Feast of the Tabernacles. And now the religious leaders were, were very upset at the people. So they told Jesus, hey, you got to stop this. Rebuke the people. And Jesus responds with this phrase from Luke 19, verse 40. Right, scripture. Okay. <laughs> he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now watch this. If you've ever been to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and I haven't, but they say as you walk down this ancient road, which Jesus would have walked on a road on, just on the left of that path is a Jewish uh, cemetery that's been there since the days of Jesus it's customary for Jews to always bury their dead in the mountains, while Arabs would bury their dead in the valleys. When the Jews buried their dead, they would bury them under the ground, but they'd put what looks like a, a casket-like gravestone on the top of the graves. We got a, we got a uh, photo here. Okay, there it is. That's, that's a Jewish cemetery. And many of the Jewish burial sites have this casket-like, you can see that right there, casket-like things sticking up out of the grave. And people think that the bodies were buried in these caskets, but they're actually buried under the ground. And these casket-like things were made in honor of the deceased and used as grave markers. And, and they're all over the Mount of Olives. And we got another slide. Now, if you look very carefully... Um, this is how the Jewish people would honor the deceased. If you look closely at, the, at those things, on the top you'll see um, small little rocks that were left there by people who would visit the gravesites, people who would go and honor the deceased. Now, Orthodox Jews wouldn't leave flowers because they, would, they believed that flowers would wither away, and, uh, which represents the lack of of life and the disrespect of the beauty of a man that would soon fade away. Whereas they would leave stones on the casket-like things, which represents that it would last forever. And it now honors the man's eternity. And Jesus took the path, passing these cemeteries, entering into Jerusalem. So the people are cheering and they're laying down the palm leaves and the scribes and the Pharisee leaders asking him to rebuke his disciples. And Jesus responds, if I tell them to stop, even the stones will cry out. What do you think Jesus was talking about? And I thought that he was talking about the stone on the ground. And I tell him, stop, the stone would jump up and start crying out. Well, the stones he's referring to were the grave sites, the gravestones. He was talking about his resurrection power. And his authority over death. Now why were the people there again? Remember they were there. For, the main reason was because they wanted to see Jesus do his mighty works. He wanted to see him perform another miracle. Because of the, the miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus was actually talking about folks. Resurrection. And what Jesus was actually saying. If I told these people who have heard me 
and they believe in me, who are still alive and in the flesh, to stop praising and honoring me, I say to you that even those who have heard me and believe in me who are dead, they will resurrect and begin to cry out. And they will start to praise me. Folks, God is a God who is Lord over the dead. And He is the resurrection. And He does bring life. And here's the lesson for us to this miracle. The Word says that every creature, everything that has breath, let them praise the Lord. Saints, if you and I, for any reason, would stop praising God, would stop praising the Lord for any reason, maybe because we've lost a a loved one, Maybe we're struggling with our finances. Maybe we're having some relational issues. Maybe we're going through some health issues. Maybe we've backslid and we're struggling in our faith. Whatever it is that makes us decide to stop praising Him. Listen, even those who are dead will show us up and start praising the Lord. That's how much He has authority over the dead. And those who are alive. We should never, ever stop shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, save us. No matter what we're going to, He is the God that brings life. Even when we feel dead in our circumstances. Jesus performed this miracle to show us His power over death. And he, he is the resurrection. And He is the life. And rather, in life or in death, once you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and you've received Him as your Lord and Savior, you will forever praise and glorify Him as your Lord and King. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now we're going to, we're finished with that miracle. And we're going to go into another miracle. So turn your Bibles to the ninth chapter of John. You guys waiting for the test again? Huh? <laughs> so we're going to look at another miracle that Jesus did. And it's, it's going to demonstrate to us the power that Jesus has even over blindness. John chapter 9 verses 1 to 3. Okay, we all there? Amen? Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Again. He's saying that the glory of God, that the works of God, that we may believe to this miracle. He's doing miracles, again, with a purpose. And one of the first things that we can learn from this passage is that some sicknesses or some illnesses can be the result of sinning. And some sicknesses are not the result of specific sinning. But listen, all sickness is a result of an original sin. There is sin that leads to physical sickness and even to death. And there is sin that does it. Illustration. When someone has a cold and and a hope that we who are spiritual, don't go up to the person and say, Hey brother, something wrong here with you? 
Something wrong with your life. What's up? You in sin, bro. You in sin. Uh, yeah, something wrong. I was in the cold all night, bare back, and without my jacket. That's what's wrong. And then we'll, we'll notice maybe someone with the flu. And we'll, everybody, well, you say, sick, yeah? yeah? Maybe you better repent. Repent, bro. You know? Can't do that. Because it's obvious that these people's illnesses weren't the result of sinning. You know, the Bible tells us that we ought to pray for them and God will give them life. The only sin that they probably committed was disobedience. By staying in the cold with a jacket and bare back. That's what they did. And the, the Bible has a word for that. It's called Stupid. <laughs> But God's word does teach us that there is a sin that leads to physical death or sickness. 1 John 5, 16 and 17 says it this way. Suppose you see your brother and sister or sister commit a sin. Okay, I'm going to wait for you guys to turn to 1 John 5, 16 and 17. That's right, it's not on the screens. Okay, we all there? 1 John all the way towards the back. 5, 16, and 17. Okay, suppose you see your brother or sister commit a sin. But that sin is not the kind that leads to death. Then you should pray for them and God will give, them life, or give life to them. I'm talking about someone whose sin does not lead to death. But there is a sin that leads to death. There are people who suffer illnesses and even death because of the the way they choose to live their lives in an improper lifestyle. They live their lives so carefree, so happy-go-lucky that they don't care about themselves. And they live their lives in an unworthy manner. And I've been approached many a times to go up to the hospital and, and visit people who are, who are desperate and they're, they're sick. And, and they're asking for prayers. And, and we go and, and we pray for God's love to be upon them and God's healing hand to be with them and, and heal them. And we know that God has given every man um, wisdom and knowledge. You know, the wisdom to know and the knowledge to apply the wisdom. And He's giving gifts to all men. And he's gifted the doctors to, to be a part of his healing process for us. Well, if a person is suffering from emphysema, a lung condition, because of their smoking problem, or gout, you guys know what is gout, eh? because of their salt intake or, or eating habits, and the doctors have given them some instructions, you know, stop smoking and, and stop eating opihi and kalua pig. Take your medications and, and, and then you'll get better. But then they totally disobey the doctor's instructions because they don't give a, they don't give a hoot. And they're just going to live their life the way they want to. Well, I'm sorry, but you're either probably going to remain sick or you're going to die. Right? You're living your life in an unworthy, disrespectful manner to yourself and to God. Here's why. Because the Bible tells us that don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and it belongs to God. And when we defile our bodies, we defile God. We are totally dishonoring God in our life and living unworthy 
listen, of His love. We're showing Him no respect, and we will be judged for that. Now, I know that sounds a little harsh, but it's the truth. And the truth will send some of us free tonight. We can become spiritually blind to the things of God when we want to do things on our own. But don't we do that in our walk also? And I don't know how many times I've heard God, the greatest physician, give me instructions for my healing. And I refuse. Because I want to do things my way, on my time. But you know, sometimes... It takes us a couple rounds with God before we start listening, doesn't it? The word says the wages of sin is death. And if we continue to live in sin, a choice, folks, listen, a choice that we make, then we will die spiritually. And sooner or later, it's going to affect us physically. Don't take God for granted. Be real before Him. It's the same with the bread and the cup when we partake in communion. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 29 and 30 reads it this way. So you could turn to 1 Corinthians 11 verses 29 and 30. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Listen, the word sleep in this scripture doesn't mean moi moi. Okay? It's talking about spiritual death and eventually physical death. You see, folks, don't think that God won't bring sickness because of the consequences of our sin. He will because of the choices that we make. That's why He brings us. We choose it for ourselves. Now that makes me think about AIDS. Do you think that AIDS is the result of sin? Is it possible for someone who hasn't sinned specifically... To contract the AIDS virus? Absolutely. Children can contract the AIDS virus by, by a blood transfusion. AIDS is a plague. And it is a sickness that is a result of an original sin. It's a, it's a plague. And a plague is a terrible thing. And, and there are all kinds of plagues affecting our planet right now. You may have read about it in the newspapers or heard it on the news about the plague that's affecting our marine life. It's called the marine toxins. And now for us who live in Hawaii, that's what's for dinner. Fish and poi. But now they've confirmed that there's terrible problems happening in our oceans and and in the marine life. And it's going to increase. It's going to affect us as human beings. And the most common problems or diseases are... Scrumbrel, toxin, fish, poisoning. Cigateria, poisoning. Paralytic, selfish, poisoning. Neurotoxic, selfish, poisoning. And I don't know how to say it. Amnesic, selfish, poisoning. I would study all these things, but 
The word's too big for me. And no matter how much we were going to cook this seafood or cook this fish, you can't get rid of the toxins. It's there. Now that's going to affect a lot of our, our fish industries and it's going to affect me. Because no more sashimi, no more fried kole anymore. <laughs> and that's hard for me and Obed, right Obed? <laughs> but God said these things will happen in the latter days. Now let's go back to AIDS. Let's just say that the AIDS virus wasn't caused through a blood transfusion. It, it, it didn't happen to a child. Well, what was the original diagnosis of how the virus was transmitted? Well, originally it was thought to be through homosexuality. But studies have shown that it's through having multiple sex partners. Because even heterosexuals get it. And research has shown that they've done a survey on 5,000 married couples. And those who have never had sex outside of their marriage, there wasn't, there wasn't a single example of sexual disease. And those who conducted the survey, they couldn't understand why. Well, let me tell you why they couldn't understand it. This is very simple. If you remove or if you take God and sin out of the equation, nothing will ever make sense to us. Let's take, for instance, a married couple who've, who've been married 20 years and they've had sexual interaction, uh, let's say, over the 20 years, a thousand times, uh, just for, you know, for, for time figuration. And then a single person who had sex once, but with a thousand people. Their argument is that the anatomy procedure is the same. What's the difference that it makes between the couple and the single person? Well, to the anatomy point of view, it doesn't make sense to them. Both parties engage in the physical act the same amount of times, right? But why does the married couple show, doesn't show any sign of sexual disease? And the single person does. Hello? <laughs> they couldn't explain this. They couldn't. Here's why. Because they were blind to God's instructions. Listen. God ordained marriages as a, as a sacred sacrament before Him. He will always bless your marriage as long as you keep it sacred. As long as we obey His commands. And God said in 1 Corinthians 6.18, that every sin a man commits is outside of the body. But sexual immorality, fornication, that's going to affect you physically. Here's what that says. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that, is, that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. God is saying there is only one sin that affects the physical body. All the other sins, anger, wrath, malice, pride, and so on, they affect us emotionally. 
That one sin is fornication and sexual immorality. And when you have sex outside of your marriage with someone besides your husband and your wife, it's going to affect you physically. It will. We need to trust in God. We can't be blind to His instructions. Now, isn't that interesting? It is so interesting that you guys got to come back next week for hear the rest of this message. <laughs> On how Jesus has power over blindness. Now, I know we've heard a pretty tough stuff tonight. Sometimes too, too tough for us to swallow. Not quite the Thanksgiving message that maybe some of you ins- expected. But here's my encouragement for you tonight. Or on this Thanksgiving Eve. That you and I will always trust that God is for us. And He is never, ever against us. That He would send a word to a message. That He would speak His word of truth. And reveal truth in our lives because He loves us. That's why he does it. He has a purpose for everything. And he says that he corrects those who he loves. And believe me, he loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. And I would say this. We can be thankful for that. In this miracle, Jesus goes on and he heals the blind man. But in doing so... He gave the blind man some instructions to go into the river and and dip seven times. Now, if the blind man didn't go and dip in the river and disobey God, he probably would still remain blind. This evening, I'm going to ask you this. Have God given you some instructions? Because He wants to bless your life. But He can't bless it if we don't obey Him. What is God asking you to do? That we may walk worthy of Him. And not disrespect Him. Maybe He's healing our spiritual blindness tonight. So that we begin to see the truth in our life. So that we can obey His instructions. So that He can set us free. Because this is what the Word says very clearly. That one who the Son sets free will be free indeed. Amen. Let's begin our weekend. Thanksgiving. By being thankful for all that He's done. For what He's done for us on the cross. That He has power over the dead. That He is the resurrection. He is the life. And He has power over spiritual blindness. That we were once blind, but now we can see. And we can begin to understand His great love that He has for us. Now, we can come before Him transparent. And say, you've won my affection, Lord. And He'll say to you, no, no, no. You've won mine. Amen? Do you bow your hearts in prayer?
Father, we thank you that there's words that you speak. And sometimes we like to hear the joyful words, but Father, there's, there's times when the words come in, in in instructive ways, Lord God. And sometimes it's hard for us to swallow because we want to do things on our own. My way. And you give us the freedom to do that, Lord God. And, and you say, well, if you do it that way, then there's consequences that... That you're going to have to face because that's that's the avenue that you chose. So, Lord, open up our spiritual eyes tonight. That we may see the goodness and the good things that you have in store for us through your word. Allow us to accept it and be corrected and then obey. So that in all things, Lord God, our heart will be pure to you. And then even in this time of season of thanksgiving, it's not a season, Lord. We can be thankful for you every day. Every day, Lord God, for the things you do in our life. Thank you for loving us just the way we are. In Jesus' name. And we'd all say, Amen. Amen.